everybody, and welcome back to Send News, the Inside Gaming podcast where we talk all about video games. We got a lot to talk about this week, but first, the introductions. I'm Brian. I'm Alana. Da 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 da. I'm Evan Campbell at Darth Burrito, and I'm excited to talk about Mario's 35th birthday, 35th anniversary. It's finally happened. I can't wait for today's episode of Send News. The I'm rumors so were true. Yeah, they. this has been long predicted, but uh, even then, uh, Nintendo managed to drop some surprises on us. Uh, you guys probably have seen uh, the, the direct at this point, but the headline was uh, this, the Mario 3D collection with uh, Mario 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy. Um, I, I, you know, it was expected. I'm still stoked about it. Uh, what did you guys, what did you guys think? I uh, weird that they waited so long. Yeah. It's weird to do an anniversary in September. Right. Like the, the it was years, typically this year. <laughs> yeah. We're in month nine of the year. Yeah. And we can get into the release dates for everything too, which are a little bit strewn mm. about. You can imagine in a pre COVID world where some of these all hit at the same time. I mean, obviously some things are available today. The new, uh, collection, the new all-stars, basically a port i guess it, it's a remaster of a port i suppose you could say I, yeah it looked yeah. i played a little bit of it it looked like a pretty straight port of the snes all-stars collection which is a great collection mm-hmm. and, and i mean it's not not to undersell the work of getting those pixels to look real nice and clean on on a, like a higher res display that is definitely something that takes a lot of time and consideration to to figure out and get it to work but yeah, I think like the, the the rest of the stuff. There's like, um, I mean, I don't want to step on your toes here, Brian, about everything that's in the story. But like the Game and Watch device, um, the 3D. That to me was right? like a highlight. I want that Game and Watch now. <laughs> I actually still bucks. haven't looked at it. Let me look it up right now. Yeah, it so, looks sweet. So some stuff's coming out in November, like the Game and Watch thing. Another thing is coming out in October, and cool. then um, I'm not sure where 3D World, 3D. Gosh, what is it? Super Mario 3D All Stars. Later um, this month, right? I think, or wait, is it October? <laughs> See, here, I have it all. They are all over the place. Yeah, they're all September over the place 18th, is what I mean. September yeah. 18th is 3D All-Star, so, I mean, we're talking uh, two weeks away. Okay. Uh, yeah. One thing I do like that Nintendo does is they they typically wait until the stuff is very close to releasing. And they did that with 3D All-Stars. I, I feel like if that wasn't coming out until next year, People, uh, people would be a little bummed, but but two weeks, that's fine. Uh, the the timed release is weird, or the limited release, limited it's going to be available until yes. March thirty first. What does that mean? So they're maybe they'll break up the collection after that and sell them separately. They've cre- recreated the Disney Vault, and now yep. you're yep. posed. It, but it it has to be a financial decision because March thirty first is intentionally the end of Q one twenty twenty one. Yes, so they've intentionally made that date. The end of that financial period, which is Maybe which means that it's for sales. I, my guess is that they're trying to urgently drive sales to yes. make those up yes. in this period of time, yep. so that when they take it to their stockholders or whatever, they're like, "Look, we sold this many, and people right. had to buy them before that date because then they would disappear." And then a month later, when yep. it doesn't matter anymore, they'll re-release them, uh, which is very manipulative. Yeah, they're yeah they're trying to goose sales right at the end, like I think yeah, so. to, to put that that artificial limit at the end of it. They're trying to increase these two quarters, basically. Yep. It's yep. like Q4 this year and Q1 next year. They're just trying to like boost the sales. So be like, if you don't buy it now, you'll never get it. So people are like, oh, shit, even if they're never going to play it, which... And, and what else do they have coming out the rest of this year? Or even, through, you know, it's, it's pretty bare. So I think maybe this is going to be one of their big ones. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. I mean, as frustrated as I am about like, like you said, Alana, it's definitely manipulation, but it's it's working. It's like 
full hard. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I, I am so in. Like I, I probably wouldn't have played the the Super Mario thirty five Battle Royale thing. But now that I know it's limited, I only have that much time to be the mm-hmm. best. And once it's done, mm-hmm. I'll be the best forever. Right? It's true. I don't know. That's I like the, I like the battle royale thing. Yes. I, I think it, it it's very reminiscent of Tetris ninety nine. You're kind of playing your own game, but then you're you can you can interfere and send enemies over into the into other people's games. Uh, I, I think it has a lot of potential. I find it hard to believe if it's a success that it'll end on March 31st, though. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Or it'll come back uh, in a different packaging or something. Yeah. I think they'll they'll bring it back. So, like, again, if they're just trying to get sales for these last two quarters, again, probably because, like you said, Brian, they are really bad. There's not much else coming out. Obviously, they did really well in Q1. I think it was Q1 with Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um, it's they, they still need... Basically, what this indicates, I think, is that there's going to be major releases Q2 next year that they already have slated for that spot that are going to sell well. Yeah, that's um, that's been reported. Yeah, that the, the Switch Pro is allegedly coming out next year, and they've they're they're going to release a slew of games around that time, whenever it comes out. Yeah, I feel like that it's like it's Q1 they're worried about, then Q2 already has stuff in it, which means like yeah, they could release it like at any time, really. Yeah. Um, They'll, they'll surely delay so people don't get too mad. I don't imagine they do a cheaper version because the same thing happens if people get too mad and Nintendo never discount anything. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so it's so blatant. And I've, I rarely, you rarely see companies do things this blatantly to be like, but we need our sales yeah. results in these quarters to be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. yeah. It's All definitely right. not their style, but, you know, under the gun and under the... I guess the, the the from what we were reading earlier in the year, the the work from home stuff was hitting Japan harder than than here because people weren't mm-hmm. set up. They didn't have internet infrastructure in like their small apartments and stuff, like Tokyo apartments or you know how people are living in Japan. It's it's a lot different mm-hmm. than here. So they they did run into some constraints with with probably all sorts of things, communication, sharing files, keeping stuff as secret as they do at Nintendo. I mean. This announcement today is such a surprise. I, I don't think anybody, well, I mean, maybe it's a big day for Nintendo, a bigger day for Jeff Grubb, who's been saying that this thing is coming since that <laughs> Venture Beat post like forever ago. But but yeah, um, I have a list of all the dates. I want to run through it and I want to talk about right. okay. some all two right. big uh, uh, missions. Uh, so the new Game & Watch thing that uh, it's like a Super Mario World clock uh, plus the old uh, Game & Watch ball game with Mario Yes. Throwing a ball. November 13th. That's, you know, a couple months away. That's 2020. That's got, and that's got the first Super Mario Brothers and the Lost Levels like, yes. preloaded, right? Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Super wow. Mario 3D World uh, plus Bowser's Fury, which they didn't talk much about. They just had like a little tease where they showed yeah. the dungeon, which could be really cool. Uh, February 12th, 2021. Uh, Super Mario Bros. 35, which is the Battle Royale thing. That's um, October 10th until March, like we said. Um, so that's again a couple months away. Uh, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, which I really want to talk about. We'll get to it. Yeah. October sixteenth. Yeah. Uh, so that's also this year. Um, of course, they had a bunch of mobile games, a bunch of merch, some shoes and like clothes and stuff. Um, and then uh, the Super Mario All Star Switch version, which is available now. And then of course Super Mario Three D All Stars, which is September eighteenth. So yeah, like a good chunk of it, uh, very close. But then that that Super Mario Three D World slipped into next next year, right? So that mm-hmm. would be. Um, you know, different. I would think that would order. be the easiest one to port over uh, because so many of those Wii U ports just seem pretty, pretty straight. But they're obviously adding some new content with the Bowser's Fury. I mean, they, yeah, they didn't talk about it, but just to try to sweeten the pot a little bit because you know it's going to be sixty dollars. So what's uh, what's missing? I guess we didn't say you know Super Mario 3D All Stars, sixty four Sunshine Galaxy, 
but I feel like there's a different, almost another version of Mario Galaxy that's more complete. Uh, two? Yeah. Yeah. Where's yeah, Mario yeah. Galaxy 2? What? I, I mean, I, the, the, the cynical answer is, you know, they're going to do like a Super Mario Galaxy 2. Like, this is the version to own. Maybe they pack it in with one. It's got to be. And like, here, 60 bucks, buy this one. It's like... You know, we've done even more to it or whatever, but it seems weird to admit it in this. No, nah, it's got to be a separate release. Yeah. Yeah. Charge or a Galaxy sure. collection. Yeah, yeah. And they have those two. That'd be together. cool. And more, yeah. more for me, Super Mario 3D Land, which was an awesome 3DS game. Yes. Just yes. no mention. And also, that was good. yeah, even at the end of that direct, they showed, you know, the history of Mario games. And Super Mario Galaxy 2 was oddly omitted from that, like, montage. And I was like, what's happening? And it was here? so good. I mean, it yeah. was, it, I liked it better than Galaxy, but they're both great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know why they they must have plans for Galaxy 2, but I'm assuming maybe it's not ready yet. Maybe mm -hmm. they just didn't, they ran out of time and they're like, we've got to put this out this year because it's the anniversary. Or because it's Nintendo, it could mean literally nothing. Yeah, that's and right. And they just admitted it. <laughs> well, like, that's right. Uh, I never know what they're doing. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to do it. I have no idea. Very strange. They're the most impenetrable company. Yeah. <laughs> very, very strange decisions. Just, just across the board, yeah. Um, um, let's talk about that Mario Kart live thing. I, it because, looks yeah. cool, but my house isn't clean enough to have that. <laughs> my house isn't big enough is what yeah. my thought keeps being. Like, I guess the idea is that, so I guess for anyone that hasn't even seen the footage, um, you get these physical uh checkpoints that you put down in your apartment and then there's an ar map that's created um and i think you are actually driving a little yes. mini cart yes. around your apartment while in the game you're seeing it and it looks like actual mario kart but there is physically something actually driving around yeah. the house or whatever it looks really really cool obviously like a lot of limitations for a lot of people i don't know how well they're expecting this thing to sell or if it's like a more Labo sort of like yeah. kid friendly approach yep. thing, which I think is very cute. And I would have loved this as a kid. Oh man. I mean, you're both dads. My yeah. kids will, well, it's, it's, I had two thoughts. Uh, one, my kids will love it. Two, they will break it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my immediate thought is this cannot possibly work. Like you, you see where Mario hits Luigi with a shell and then the, the toy in real life stops. And I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, if that's yeah. going to be a fun experience for anyone who's, who's actually playing as Luigi. Uh, like Mario Kart in real life, maybe not as fun as it is in the game because the rubber banding is not going to work, right? You can't mm. you can't rubber band that like the physical placement of those cars. Uh, but also like just the tech in general, I, I have concerns and fears. But conceptually, like my mouth was like a wide agape. I was like, I want this is amazing. I really want this. I also want to mod these cars, like turbocharge them, put outdoor wheels on them, <laughs> take them in the Hell take yeah. them in the dunes or something, and just like you know turbocharged engines whatever you got to do but like that it, it it's just another example of it's nintendo really cool yeah thinking out yeah. of the box and, and giving us something you know whimsical and, and, and they will take any excuse yeah. to make a physical toy like they yeah, love I mean, they consider toys. themselves to be a toy yep. company and not a video game company That's which right. like it shows and stuff like this and i i really do think it's very fun uh i don't i was gonna say i don't know that i'll get it because like what am i gonna do in my apartment by myself <laughs> You know, it's so small, like, right. what's the plan here, right. really? But I feel like if this is a super fun thing to, like, we're back at the office. would be really fun. Oh, yeah. We'd oh, have a great yeah. Time. Yeah. I, feel like I don't know how many switches you need, or, like, does everyone have to own a physical car, or can I tap my car? Does it tap out at two, right? Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. 
few questions. I, it does have a potential for some really people to make some cool tracks. And I, I would imagine like some cool, you know, videos coming out of this yeah, like for the sure. physical race. So like, that's cool. Kind of opening it up to a, a little bit more of the creativity on the, the community's part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one's October 16th. So not that far away. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a hundred dollars us or 99 99 uh, for the Mario and Luigi set, which pretty good value. I think too. For a game and two toys like that that are actually motorized, like yeah. that's pretty sweet. Considering what they what they charge for cardboard, I think it's a, a stellar deal. <laughs> right, right. What we paid for cardboard yeah. is, a, is a more valuable one than that. That's a documentary yeah, like ten years away. What we paid mm-hmm. for cardboard, the new video game documentary of, about Nintendo mm. and and then <laughs> them limiting. They just keep getting us, man. Digital copies, yeah. I, I wonder, yeah. Will the <laughs> is the the game part of it are there gonna is it i guess it's just sort of the ar compatibility part like there's not going to be any like separate tracks on it because you're designing the tracks so yeah yeah it's i i don't know it's one of those i i feel like i might hang back for a second and watch you know or see them out in the wild and uh, yeah it's something i would like to get my hands on and try first maybe before i bought it i definitely want to try it yeah Yeah. i'm sure they'll they'll work with a lot of people to make a lot more footage than this obviously very clearly structured trailer <laughs> right um because it's it's hard to even get a grasp of how it will actually work or how limited it is but you're right if there's any rubber banding or connection issues this just doesn't even yes. work for yeah. a second that's right just completely falls apart for sure uh, which i guess does apply to a lot of video games these days but feels like this is especially bad when it's physically in front of you but uh, I think it's cool. I thought this was like very unexpected and very exciting. And I really do applaud their creativity over and over and over again in an industry that often is afraid to be creative in favor of, you know. Yeah. Nintendo could have gone just full games of service microtransactions on everything. It's not like they haven't done that in the mobile market. Uh, but they continue to try to innovate. And I, I really love that about Nintendo, despite thinking some of their business practices are fucking garbage. Like right. Their <laughs> yeah. Right. Or their refund policies. They, or just, yep. they yeah. just updated the refund policy for, I know, for pre-orders. I know. Yeah. Did you guys see I that? I saw yeah. that. Congrats. Congrats, Nintendo. for <laughs> You done did it. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't treated us like complete garbage. <laughs> Slightly um, less garbage. I do like, yeah, to Alana's point, I, I do like that in this industry, there's just this company uh, out there doing random things like Nintendo. I I don't think there's too many other industries with an example like that. And I like that. Who was successful too? Yeah, they're a major player, and and they're just beloved by every. You know, Nintendo gets respect from everybody. Um, and and so it's yeah, it's cool to see them constantly. You know, iterating. I mean, they gave us the Switch. I mean, people thought handhelds and portables were dead, and then they just absolutely completely true. proved everybody wrong. So. And now we're like, it's the best thing ever. I want it on Switch all the time. Right, like they really right. made it work. Yeah, uh, we kind of spoke about this on a daily a bit, and maybe it'll get cut. I don't know if it'll make the edit, but thought I would ask you guys: Do you consider Mario to be nostalgic? Hmm. Yes. Is Mario a yes. nostalgia thing for you? Oh yeah. Oh, How yeah. does that work when Mario is current? Yeah. How can you have something well, that is continuously releasing also be nostalgic? So is Mickey Mouse. Games. Like, so is everything else. I, I would say that that Mario is beyond nostalgia. He's, you know, become his own. He pop culture. He's the Mickey Mouse, Mouse of video. Yeah, games. That, that, Nintendo I mean, is our Disney in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. like so much yeah. so. But yeah, go ahead, Brian. I don't want to cut you. I, I, I think uh, to just some of the older games, like seeing Sunshine again, seeing... Uh, uh, 64. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's not like pure nostalgia because I agree with what you're saying. They make new Mario games all the time. I mean, Odyssey just came out a few years ago. So it's not like it's a dead property. 
Um, I, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. Something about that, that Disney scarcity, I guess, of bringing back mm. some of the older ones from the vault and the, the games have changed a lot over the years. I mean, just the, the move to 3d and then just, I think that's know. probably part of it is yeah. that the nostalgia we have is for the 2d Mario we yep. knew and then maybe the early 3d Mario, yeah. but Mario is very different now. Like I don't have nostalgia for Mario galaxy. Oh no. I think no, there's no, no, people no. who, who do though. I, I think they're, I mean, it's that weird thing where you think about like people who grew up like never having played a Halo game or something, and maybe like something like Halo Four or Five was their first one, or Infinite might be their first one, which is wild to think. But I think there is a lot of love for Galaxy. I know there's um, my brother-in-law is like maybe six or seven years younger than me, and he spent just hours playing things like Thousand Years Door and like Galaxy and Galaxy Two specifically. Like he played through both of those games back to back and just loved them to death. I'm sure that, like now he has nostalgia for that in the way that I have nostalgia mm-hmm. for Super Mario World right um but but yeah i don't know it, nostalgia is a really good it's a good talking point let's get to, it's an interesting one yeah it's interesting because like my kids now they they barely have played mario games but they love mario if they see me yeah. like working on a like if i'm looking at a youtube page and there's a thumbnail and just the smallest mario in the corner of that thumbnail on youtube they'll be like there's mario dad i see him he's right there and it's already like mm. weirdly triggered for them in a way and i don't know if it's because they know that i like it or like i've showed them before i'm like oh there's mario and they know but it's 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 weird. Like so, like they don't have time to have. They they haven't been alive long enough. to feel like to have nostalgia for characters or whatever. But it's still, yeah, the design of it and like his presence and everything is like weirdly drawing. I guess hmm. I don't know. I never thought about like why kids like Mario. Yeah. Obviously, I like I loved Mario as a kid. I continue to enjoy Mario. Mario is currently like right there. I have him as my he calls my keys. <laughs> uh, it's very cute. Um, but I wonder if there is just something about that like happy light-hearted design that particularly stands out like as a kid i loved yoshi more than anything else oh yeah yeah um and tweety bud was a big one for me because sure. i feel like there's similar vibe it's just like this kind of cute animal uh which i can understand why that appeals to a little girl particularly whereas i feel like mario is still he's like a weird guy with a mustache yeah as a dad i feel but com- he's very pleasant and smiling all the yeah time. completely weird about it but it's and like no that's just mario don't worry about it yeah. i mean they also see like doom guy and they're like dad who's that i was like oh that's doom guy don't worry about him <laughs> when you're old he's i also think that depending on how old you are you can be nostalgic for different eras of mario i mean there was kind of arcade mario slash donkey kong you know there was nes mario and and then kind of moving forward there was mario world and then you get into the 3d stuff and you know there's there's uh, people who obviously i mean it, the, 35 years ago i mean the tons of players weren't even alive when it came out i i still feel uh a huge bit of nostalgia for that for the first three games one two and three uh just because i i remember as a kid like wanting an nes so bad it was like mm. the kid in the christmas story wanting the bb gun and i <laughs> felt that way and then my parents kind of tricked me and they they sort of acted like it was sold out everywhere and they couldn't get one and uh i apparently it was but they got my grandmother in louisiana to buy one there and ship Aww. it and like yeah it was like still to this day such a great like holiday Aww. memory Holy yeah and, and i just remember firing it up and playing that game for ever and and it, the the graphics you know compared to like the atari and all that were were just such a leap forward and it was just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it it, uh, it has some special memory. And I think it's also a, a kind of a throwback to the more kind of PG era video games. And just when yeah. kind of everyone could play it and you, you knew it wasn't 
I don't know. It, it, you could let kids play it and adults and everybody kind of enjoyed it. So I don't know. It's just kind of a, a wholesome uh, memory for me. I think you're right that uh, the fact that Mario has changed so much is what allows us to feel nostalgia for it because yeah. there are so many different iterations of Mario, yeah. which is massively to Nintendo's credit yes. that they have updated that IP with the times repeatedly yeah. without being too late. They, I don't think they've ever really screwed it up. It's not like I think every Mario game is a 10, but... They've Nobody hit a consistent quality. Games. Exactly. I can't think of a real, real stinker. I feel like know. there's one, no. one word that puts all of this into perspective as a comparison. You could just say Sonic and be like... His, his, Tons his, of trash. His, they tried, but they didn't keep it yeah. up to date right. as well. And right. it, it isn't easy, but it's also that with Mario particularly, and I feel like this just fits with it being you know, 35th anniversary for us to get into this anyways... Even the, the first Mario game you could give to someone today and it would still play incredibly yes. because their yeah. real focus was on let's make sure it feels good for Mario to yeah. jump. You cannot fuck with Mario's jump. I know that, that Miyamoto was really specific about here's how he jumps, here's how it feels, don't yeah. change Mario's jump. Uh, and, and I think sticking to that every, every step of the way means they never rushed out a game that was poor quality they stuck to a vision across this many years yeah um, yeah so that all of those games hold up i think and, you, and the yeah ahead. my kids play sorry my my kids will play the old ones too and the, the pixels still hold up it doesn't look i mean it's obviously an older game but you can still enjoy it i think the power-ups too were kind of brilliant they were mm -hmm. very simple but very uh, gratifying. You get a mushroom, you grow, you double in size, you get the plant, you throw fireballs. Like it's just very, uh, they just pay off so well. Yeah, I, I feel like you almost answered your own question and like uh, the original question was like, how do you feel about, you know, being nostalgic for a thing that currently also exists? And I think like, the, like you said, those older properties just really, really hold up and you could still give them to people. And as a game, people will like, genuinely enjoy them and I think it, it you know it's a testament to the craft and, and like you said about Mario's jump it does change from from sometimes it does change like maybe not from it changes in eras right like the Super Mario World mechanics are a little bit different than than the NES versions of the game right. and Super Mario right. 2 Super obviously Mario Mako but, makes that really clear yeah but yeah. they're so dialed in that there's fans of each of those generations too so I think like it, it's polished enough that it, that it usually always feels like a good game so yeah I think yeah I think the thing that they yeah. haven't changed is the animation is that he always has to have hand up feet apart like <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing that they yeah. stuck to is like it's always that but it's yeah it's it's all it was always about make sure the jump feels but right. it feels like Mario like even if it's a little bit different here and there the real stuff that people would notice like it still feels like a Mario game regardless and, and it feels good to play in those worlds and, and jump and stuff and I think like, yeah that's a testament to to kind of the nostalgia aspect of it, I don't know. I mean, the only other property I can think of that has continued to be this successful for a long time is Pokemon, yeah, which is still Nintendo. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the I think it's the most profitable IP of all time. Yeah, uh, so massively successful. But even then, I don't feel like Pokemon has iterated quite. Maybe it has now. For a while, it hadn't iterated as much as uh, Mario had. But obviously, now we have Pokemon Go. We have the Let's Go series. Um, there are like Pokemon Dungeons, obviously Pokemon Snap coming back. Can't wait for that. So I don't know. There's just something that Nintendo does with their properties that it's like they 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 certainly milk them. I'm not going to tell you they don't. Pokemon <laughs> Go makes them a ton of money. Um, what, what's it? Is Animal Crossing Island does the the mobile app for Animal Crossing oh, made right. a ton of money? The the Pocket Mario Camp Jump or Pocket Camp, yeah. yeah, Pocket Camp. That's it. Sorry. Uh, so they they certainly you know know how to profit off of their properties but they they just seem to refuse to release things that suck and then <laughs> you know when you and when you think about zelda 
Like, I genuinely think Breath of the Wild is one of the best games ever made. Yeah, I agree. Which is off of one of the best franchises that's ever existed in video games. They, with yeah. some of the other best games ever made, like Ocarina of Time, that still, <laughs> so many Japanese devs, if you interview them, they'll be like, we were inspired by Ocarina of Time. Near oh, Automata, yeah. when they were picking the map size, they were literally like, we just made it the same size as Ocarina of Time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ha- just, oh, Nintendo quality too good. They, yeah, and, and for Mario specific, and I agree with Zelda too, although I think there have been some worse Zelda games. Agreed. There's been some misses. So yeah, the, yeah. The, the CD versions of those, I forget the mm-hmm. official title. There have been some great yeah. ones, but with Mario, they had a run where every time a new system would come out, they would put an amazing. They would come out with an amazing Mario game for it. Super Nintendo, you had Mario World. The sixty four had Mario sixty four. The uh, the GameCube had Sunshine. I don't think that was quite up, but it was still very good. And then the Wii had the the Galaxy games. So it's like they had a run where it was just you knew when a new Mario game was coming out, it was going to be quality, and it was mm-hmm. going to be yeah at least an eight or a nine, and and maybe even just like an all time classic. I will say, I'm looking at a, a list here of the worst Mario games ever made. <laughs> We've got Mario Party 10, which I actually think is fair. A lot of really strange choices. I mean, there. you could put all the Mario Parties on that list, as far as I'm concerned. Disagree, <laughs> but that one. Also, yeah. Uh, Mario Tennis Ultra Smash, which I believe is a Wii U one, mm. um, was fine. Still not a terrible game. Super Mario 64 DS, I never played. It was uh, okay. I mean, people... They list New Super Mario Bros. 2. People hated New Super Mario Bros. 2. I thought it was fine. It wasn't great, but it yeah. was... No, it just said it lacks creativity. What a, what a small criticism. And then, wow. Uh, the, the literal worst they have on this list is Mario Sports Superstars. Eh, yeah. Which is, again, it's the 3DS I game. think, like, if you, you go into some of the tie-in stuff, probably the original Mario and Sonic at the Olympics or something, some of that stuff yeah. probably doesn't hit yeah. hit super well, but... I don't know, like, that's a big, that's a long shot away from, like, the canon Mario games where they really, you know, take care to make sure those things are polished up nicely. Yeah. Someone here has listed Mario's Time Machine as their least favorite. Mario's Missing. I played I the know. shit out of Mario's Time Machine as a kid. <laughs> oh, God, I loved I even it. I thought of that game. I know. Mario, yeah, I guess there are a lot of Mario yeah, games. Yeah, there's a lot so. more than we, we, we would think. But I will say during that montage section at the end of the Direct... Uh, when they showed each like major canonized Mario, I was like, wait, isn't there more in between this? Are they leaving something out? Obviously, they're leaving out Galaxy 2, but but mm-hmm. in there, it just like my memories of playing Mario over the years, I was like, what was I playing between all these Mario games? But it just, I don't know, those games stick with you. Like any great like f- medium or like thing that you experience in entertainment kind of sticks with you. Great movies do the same thing. Like yeah. they kind of define a place and time for you and, and yeah. you, you attach your emotions to that. And that there's nostalgia there. Also, you can't trust anything we're saying because we're all nostalgia as fuck. Like, <laughs> I, That's I, I absolutely know. true. Yeah. But also speaking of like it, it, the game and the franchise in a historical context, people have argued that that Mario that Super Mario Brothers saved video games because mm. the 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 market completely crashed in 1983 there were way too many systems there were ma- way too many games just and the games were kind of bad the quality was all over the place yeah and then Nintendo kind of came out and was like no we're going to establish some sort of you know uh, standards here we're going to have a seal and then uh, that game was just huge and it was you know it, it was a phenomenon and so i think that's where it gets a lot of love to it it came out at the right time to just have this 
major impact and yeah really really bring the industry back because it was you know we would still have video games today but it, it would be a lot different home consoles in particular were what was like yes. crashing super super hard That's right. and, and yes. yeah and, and bringing like they, they did a whole i just watched the the netflix documentary and they revisited so good yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really good i have i mean i have gripes because i'm like just a super nerd and i was like they they had access to all these people and they could have asked them such better questions and told so <laughs> yeah. many more stories and, and a lot of them they, are still alive yeah. which is so great yeah i love yeah. these snazzy graphics but just you know let me talk more to yeah. the the i did not know that kirby was named after oh, yeah. the lawyer yeah. that like saved nintendo basically i had no idea i was like holy shit that's so cute yeah, yeah. cute very lawyery old man yeah. <laughs> what a tribute kirby. i mean I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure he didn't look as much like kirby in his younger days but he definitely <laughs> does now which helped the story mm-hmm. quite a bit mm-hmm. um but yeah that one's been out there a while they, they, they do tread some ground like that that we could I could do a whole podcast episode about about the way that documentary is constructed and, and what they're talking about in there. But I think yeah, well, to Brian's point, yeah, N- N- Nintendo is largely credited for for getting us out of the you know that great. Uh, gosh, there there was it, like it a was big, just a cataclysm, yeah, and they were just kind of emerged out of it. Yeah, and then later Sega, yeah. the great crash of the you know the late eighties or early eighties, yeah. late seventies. So. Yeah, with with Mario, particularly in the home consoles, and obviously Donkey Kong uh, in arcades is another thing that that kind of brought it back. And they, they touch a lot on a lot of that in King of Kong too, the beginning of it too, I think. But mm-hmm. but yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it what um it, let's uh we'll we'll move on and put a bow on this. But what what were your highlights from the direct? I I thought it was very uh effective. I I feel like Nintendo hopefully still has more games coming out this year and not just yeah. this isn't their they do tend to to like I said uh, have these announcements shortly before the game actually comes out so I'm hoping for more. Uh, uh for me, yeah, just the 3D All-Stars. I I feel like it's what everybody wanted. They delivered. I I wish there was Galaxy 2, but I'm still going to buy it. Yep. Uh I I don't feel like I have like one standout Highlight from this direct, um, I'm just going to say overall, I felt like it was a strong direct. I yeah. love it when they like drop something on us that we don't entirely suspect. Yeah. Um, and they have some creative things in it when in theory they could have just re-released a bunch of Mario stuff on the Switch and that would have been enough for a lot of people. So uh, yeah, I just continue to really like the direct format. Yeah. I like that they're themed and that we get little bite-sized chunks every now and then rather than these like huge conferences that have bits that I tune out of and bits that I pay more attention to. So I just really like the way Nintendo does these. I'm always excited for them, even if it's a property I don't really care about. I 100% agree. The whole thing is a highlight for me. Anytime we get older games updated for a newer console, it means those games can live longer and people can experience yeah. them more easily. I think that's a win for everybody across the board. I will say, however, I do got to sh- give shout outs to Super Mario Sunshine. And a lot of people are divisive about that game. They think it's bad. And for context, if you weren't around during when that game came out, like water just didn't look like that or move like that or yeah, act like that in games. Right. And yeah. that was cool as hell playing that game and being able to do that with like the flood system and clean stuff and suck it up and all that. Like that stuff is amazing. You should play that game. It, it's really cool. I know people, some people think it's bad, but like if you did all the eight red coin challenges, that's why eight red coin challenges got good. Like the, the mm-hmm. intense and hard platforming with those sections where they remove flood and you're doing like incredibly difficult uh areas oh, i mean i don't think it was that hard but it was harder than we had experienced in like mario 64 <laughs> not for you yeah, yeah. yeah. well yeah of course. <laughs> obviously not not for me but uh, <laughs> no uh I, I died a lot for sure but but, <laughs> but yeah i think the whole thing's a highlight and, and it's, it's what an exciting day to be a mario fan you know i i also like i did anyone know this direct was coming Absolutely or, or was not. this 
I, I thought it was a complete surprise, right? I like that. Yeah, no, that. they just dropped it. That was great, too. Just just yeah. random, you know, Thursday morning and then, holy crap, you know, I, I just saw it blowing up on Twitter. And uh, so I, I love stuff like that. That's that's super fun. Um, okay, let's move on to non-Mario related stories. Uh, another big one of the day, speaking of uh, games and the internet, uh, GameSpot got uh, in a, a little bit of a hot water over an army partnership they did with the national guard they they tweeted um a, oh, what was it it was a, a sergeant from uh, some mass uh, a, a sergeant from the army national guard and he was going to give his games uh, uh gamescom like sort of favorite moments of the festival and then they they uh, followed that up with to learn more about the the army national guard visit this place it was weird it was on their main twitter account um, it was kind of, which typically is news and features and stuff like that. And there's all this, you know, and then all of a sudden there's this obvious partnership there. A lot of their staffers uh, got mad about it. And mm-hmm. it, this is, and we heard from some people saying, uh, Hey, don't, you know, you're taking shots at people in the military. That has nothing to do with it. It, the weird thing was just this kind of, I, I think it just caught people off guard that this was. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it just felt very awkwardly done. Yeah, I think the big takeaway here is and, and we you know, this isn't the first time we've kind of reported on a similar subject. Obviously, the Twitch partnership with the military and them having ran that like fake sweepstakes and getting kind of banned yeah. momentarily and Insane. and that and like having some of their privileges revoked and things like that. I, at the at the heart of at the core of the discussion and the argument, I think, is that the military should not be leveraging entertainment platforms to recruit kids like or to glorify the military to people who are still figuring their stuff out. I don't know. I think, I don't know if that's like too much of a, of a personal, like subjective opinion, but when it comes down to it, I think like, uh, and obviously there is a large demographic of people who play video games who are adults and can make decisions for themselves. And there's always a lot of like milita- uh, militarization and glorification in games in, in general, like Call of Duty and you know pretty much every game that has like a military or like combat aspect to it, you could argue uh, glorifies the military in that way. But I think where it gets, where it gets weird is building up um, a Twitch channel or identities in which, I guess in GameSpot's case, it's extra weird because you 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 have personalities, you have online personalities, writers and, and critics and, and people who, who uh, there's a large audience for that the, they trust these people. And when you make a partnership like that with the military, you're kind of intrinsically saying that these people are on board and support right. everything That's that right. the military is yes. doing. Yes. You know, um, they they supporting like military actions and decisions, as well as like the 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 encouragement of recruitment and stuff. And and everybody who works at a company is an individual and has their own opinions and perspectives. So being uh, an employee of of, of GameSpot and, and being put in that position where it's like, whoa, I don't endorse this. Like I don't endorse you know the military and the actions the military does um, or decisions they make, or even the the idea that we would use our entertainment platform to to recruit from. Like it's. It it seems I think I think the Austin Walker tweet was like this is such a betrayal for the people who work here um, uh, at, at Gamespot and and I and I agree and I see where that's that's coming from because the the people who do the day to day grind who are reporting on video games covering video games reviewing video games and who you are like kind of aligning yourselves with you know um, in terms of like personalities you enjoy and things they didn't have a say in whether or not 
this this partnership was going to happen, right? right. They that had was nothing... a corporate decision. Yeah, corporate yeah, decision, to... completely different sales and marketing team said, hey, this is how we're going to make the site a lot of money. We're going to team up with the government and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it in that way. And, and I think that's where things get, get increasingly gray. I don't know if I'm speaking about this intelligently enough, so I'll hand it off to one of you two. <laughs> Those are just like kind of my off the cuff kind of impressions and reactions. I think the issue was actually that it was on social. So this mm. has happened before and will happen forever yeah. uh, is partnerships between games media and the military. We did it at IGN. I did personally refuse to be in the military sponsored content, especially as a foreigner. I was like, I don't condone a lot of what the U S military has done. I do not want to be a part of this. Um, it's certainly had an impact on the Australian army several times where the U S basically just sent the Aussies out to die. So it's like, it's definitely a thing that I was like, I don't want any part in this. Yeah. Uh, and they were okay with that. But these these sponsorships won't continue to happen because obviously it is the job of the military to recruit. And they also have more money than almost anyone else in the entirety of the United States, except maybe pharmaceuticals. I still think the military would probably win. You're probably right. Um, yeah. So they have tons of money and, and games media needs money. So it's going to keep happening. Um, I think where it gets bad is, is when it's on a social feed which is generally reflective of editorial. Um, if it's just an ad on a site or a pre-roll on a video, it's separate. Uh, when you're using GameSpot's social media feed to recruit is where I think it gets very uncomfortable. And I think some of the discomfort probably does come from gamers collectively acknowledging that we enjoy playing games that are set in uh, war. Sure. Because aiming is fun. It's a fun mechanic. Yeah. To yes. aim and to shoot Right. is fun. Uh, the variety that you can get in guns and video games is fun to play with. Uh, that's no different to going to a shooting range. It's fun. Uh, it's a great time. But I think it's it's when you, you know, we, we have this acceptance of we enjoy doing this thing. We enjoy the action. Uh, we enjoy the stakes. But we also recognize that this is fake and that <laughs> what we're doing is not real. And so when you, you take away that falsification and you see the military being like, oh, you like that? Come yeah. work for us. Yeah. Is when we're like, yeah. no, 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 no. Okay, look, yeah. we like it, but we don't want it to be real. And and I think it just gets into this like messy water of of trying to separate those two things that just becomes uncomfortable. The reality that, of it becomes uncomfortable. That's such a good point because I I think when when you know you think about video games, this is something strictly that we do for fun. This is this is entertainment. This is, you know, it's it's no different than, you know, a lot of other things that you do, reading a book or having uh, all kinds of hobbies. And, and when I think of the military and when I think about going to war, that is the most serious thing that a country can do. I mean, you're sending uh, people over to kill other people and be killed. That is, and to me, yeah, it just injects such a... I, I think to me that tension there is just what makes it so feel so weird because it's like, no, going to war is not a game. And, and to, to equate it like that, or, Oh, you think that yeah, like, like Alana said, Oh, you think that's fun? Well, have you, have you thought about doing it for real? And, you know, just sort of blurring those lines between what's entertainment and war should not be entertainment. Uh, yeah, and, but it is. And yeah. again, that's why I think it's where it I'm feels comfortable icky. with it. Is we're like, yeah. look, we acknowledge what we're doing, but yeah. we also collectively don't want this to be real. Right. So can you not try to make it real yeah. and just let us have yeah. this? <laughs> and, and, and yeah, the fact that it was on social, I think, yes, was was a, a big part of it too. And, and yeah, the, the military does this. 
uh, through Jesus, the, the NFL, so many sports leagues. I mean, they have, you know, you, you go to a lot of these gaming sites and they have display ads up and all this. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been going on forever. They've put out their own video games, America's army back in the Mm -hmm. early two thousands. So, um, it, it has been going on. It's not going to stop, but yes, it, it has always struck me as weird because it's, it's injecting something that is incredibly serious and, and, and monumental. And it's something that uh, should not be taken into lightly at all because it's such, a, you know, you're talking about people dying and to yeah inject that into gaming where it's, you know, yes, there can be violence, but it's all simulated. Just, it, yeah, it, it always. And we all acknowledge that again. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I yeah. think, again, I get that they're going to keep doing it. Um, you know, EB Games Expo is, was, I don't know if it's even exists anymore, the biggest gaming expo in Australia. And in like the live theater, they would often have like Navy ads, uh, which made everyone really uncomfortable right. uh, because of the reality of it and the relationship that is undeniable between video games and military. Um, it's, it's just, so it's not going to stop happening. And I've no. seen people be okay with it under certain circumstances. It's just when you have a sergeant presenting us with his top picks of video games on, again, a social feed that is usually used for the editorial team to talk about what they're actually writing. It just, it just, this one just went a bit too far. Yeah, felt very Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, they took it down uh, from what I can tell, um, talking to friends who work there, because the sponsor actually saw all the negative feedback and asked them to take it down. I'm not positive if that's correct, but that's what I think happened there rather than them choosing to take it down themselves. Um, and my, you know, having worked for companies like that before, it would be that CBS, who was obviously their parent company, pushed it through. I'm sure many people in the editorial team were against it um, before it even happened. But often when you're in, you work for those companies, you don't have any control over what your sales team does. And I will right. say like Rooster Teeth right. is so good about it compared yeah. to IGN in that like, at Rooster Teeth, you can say no to a sales deal. But you'd be like, no, we're absolutely not doing no. that. Like, if they tried to sponsor the Daily, if the Army tried to do it, we would just say no. Right. Uh, there's right. a fly on me. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but if you're working for a company like IGN or GameSpot, your sales team says, we sold this, here's what you have to do, and you don't have a say in it. Absolutely. Right. So that team had to, had absolutely no choice. It sucks for them. Uh, I hope nobody blames them personally. If you're going to get angry at anyone, it would be CBS Interactive that you would get angry at, and none of that actual editorial stuff at all. Uh, they have yeah, literally no say. Right. Yeah, and I think right. a lot of people want to get into the weeds about like, oh, this is anti-patriotic, or oh, you're against the the military, or, or like, don't call out the sergeant, and, and things like that. And, and that's not what this is at all. There should be boundaries. To be clear, I totally am against the military. Yeah, same. Like, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. But I don't think that's, that applies to everyone. That's correct. And yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not trying to disrespect that dude. I don't think, like, I kept being like, he's a really good presenter. Right. Yeah. It has nothing he, to do he, with he him. Great. It has nothing to do with him personally. No. It, it, yeah, it I think it's kind of like what you're saying, Alana, like, or maybe this is me extending it a little bit, but there should be a series of boundaries there for the military in which they, they do these types of things and, and recruit in the way they go about it. And, and, and sure, like GameSpot should so have been aggressive and, yeah. and manipulative. And like you said before, for young people, especially who maybe haven't developed the ability to, to correctly separate those two things, I think it's dangerous, but I think it's also sucks for the older gaming audience just to like yeah. have that pushed on them when they're just like, I don't, you know, I don't want to conflate publicly the idea that playing Call of Duty means I condone war. I'm certainly not for you changing the narrative in Call of Duty to make it look like the U.S. didn't do something they did and all that. You know, it's just, it's just, especially on social media, having it be public 
just implies a lot of the audience that, that yes. I don't like. Um, yeah. Sorry to cut you off there. No, no, no. I think totally. you said it much better than I could have. So oh. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. And especially, I don't know. Well, yeah, we could talk about this forever. Um, let's just, uh, I'd rather yeah. just talk about Mario forever, but that's what I, I know. Um, <laughs> let's hit uh, another couple stories very quickly. Uh, Madden 21 came out. It is a huge mess. Uh, lots of people, uh, it has a 63 on Metacritic, which indicates mixed uh, reviews at best. Uh, the user score is a 0.03. Now, those are negative a lot of the times, but not a lot of new content. Uh, very buggy. You know, this is the problem when you do yearly uh, games like this. There's there's going to be lots of recycled stuff, and, and you know, uh, it's because just it's had a lot of especially difficult in COVID times. And that's why yeah. I f- mm-hmm. feel like when they talk about $70 games and EA and 2K being the ones to usher that in, I'm like, no, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to sell people this Madden, this Madden game, like next gen versions for 70 bucks. People are not going to fall for this. I don't know. In some ways. I think they will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Say? Sports fans. will. It's a whole yeah. different. There are people who only play sports. But games then who's pissed, right? Like, are, are they pissed enough to not buy a version no. or okay. no, like we, I only learned that recently and it was specifically like, especially with battlefront two. You will like you would think that Battlefront Two was going to fail no matter what because the response to the way that that it was just very pay to win the multiplayer um, and that was even in the beta. You would have thought that that would tank the whole game and sure they pulled that system out before releasing it, but it didn't matter. It seemed like everyone fucking hated it and the damage was done. Mm. Still sold well, completely irrelevant. Didn't matter at all. It's like Call of so, Duty. It's like they yeah they're always it doesn't play. matter. Like the the negative reception is totally irrelevant, and I always wonder <laughs> like is it. Because, like, the people who are, and I don't, I totally don't mean this condescendingly, but, like, so casual that well, they're only, like, buying a Madden don't even see this online discourse? Maybe. I, yes. Like, are they not involved in the community? Or, or again, or is it just that it's something they buy annually that they want to keep up with? I think they're hardcore Madden players, because it is a competitive game, and they're people who, like, I think they're pro Madden players who, who compete. So yes, you have sir. to stay up to date. And then I think it's a lot of kids who, who like, you know, just playing the latest and greatest, who have no idea about, yeah, all the online kind of chatter going on. And yes, I think I think you're right. I think ultimately it's irrelevant. People make a lot of sound and fury online. They'll still buy it and they'll they'll complain until I, I guess ideally for them, EA fixes fixes the bugs. You know what? That's mm-hmm. a good point. If I, circling back around to Mario, if they ever did make a bad Mario game, I would want to own it anyway because I want to know. Yeah. I, and in and, and as like, sports fans, I'm sure they have you know, sports fans have have their their team, right? And their team has up years and down years. And maybe it's like that. It's like, well, Madden had a down year. Remember when it was so sucky, like back in 2000 yeah. or whatever? And yeah. They, yeah. they can can kind of commiserate about it. So that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel bad for these players, though. I feel like they deserve more. Like they, they've given EA so much more money than any other company for these Madden games. I feel like they just, yeah. they just deserve a really good win. They deserve like the best football game that could possibly exist. I wonder why this one was so bad. Like, I know, like, the FIFA community's been really unhappy with FIFA 20, um, but I think it's still reviewed relatively well, and, like, part of that is these games probably shouldn't be reviewed um, on the embargo. They should probably wait a little bit for, like, testing the online servers properly and everything. Um, But this, yeah, it seems like this one just had a lot of technical issues that uh, my guess is COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, From my understanding... Of course, it's familiar. They always are. 
but that doesn't excuse bugs. Yeah, from my but, understanding, the 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 cycle that sports games are on is so tightly knit and so tightly paced that you know they they're moving from one thing to the next and trying to implement new features so quickly. Like you said, they're they're turning them out on a yearly basis, and they probably have you know studios shifting workload to to make it all come together. But then if you introduce any unknown factor, and COVID is a huge one, you're gonna have some missteps. You're gonna have some some cut corners and things like that easily. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's an easy comparison, I think. It's a it's a disruption for us, and we're just sending video files yeah. back and forth <laughs> which and is... to you know do it with gaming and you know get everybody up to speed. I, you know, it's just a different thing. And you're, you know, if you have a family, you're home with family, and you got uh, you might have kids running around. It's just it is. I, I can speak from experience. It's very different from just being in an office where yes, there are distractions, but it's not the same thing. You can you know, you can tune out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah. All right. Uh, we will uh, get to the questions in just a second, but first, guys, let's talk about AT and T five G and RTX and our at home virtual event, Rooster Teeth. We're joining forces with Samsung and AT and T five G to kick things off for the upcoming RTX at home virtual event. We're creating a Ruby outdoor mural that you can add art to from home. You don't have to go, you can do it from home using the Mark, M-A-R-K augmented reality app. Just download the Mark app, start creating your own Ruby art starting on September 5th through the 7th. So there you go, get to work. And I know you Ruby fans, you'll come up with something awesome each night. Fans' designs will be projected onto the mural wall. You can see yours come to life on social. If you're on the AT&T 5G network at home, you can access Plus Mode through the Mark app, so you'll get the highest res video and crystal clear images to explore on the app. And check out the new Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G, powered by AT&T 5G. AT&T 5G requires compatible plan and coverage not in all areas. But here are some of the new features you can try out on the device. Cloud gaming. Sound like fun. You've heard a lot about cloud gaming, huh? Well, it'll be available with the power of 5G. Try out cloud gaming with high performance experiences. Brought to you by the newest Samsung devices powered by AT&T 5G. The Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G also has 120 hertz adaptive display that automatically adjusts the refresh rate according to the content you're viewing and an intelligent battery. actually very cool. Very cool. And an intelligent battery that optimizes for your gameplay. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So head over to att.com slash Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G to learn how you can get the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 5G for free or the Galaxy Note 20 5G Ultra for $299.99 for a limited time. There you go. And uh, you can also go to www.mark.app to download the Mark AR app to take uh, part in that RTX at home virtual event. So check that out. Yeah. And guys, let's talk about raised by wolves. Have you heard about this? It sounds yeah. awesome. Very it's, curious. It's from visionary filmmaker Ridley Scott, the Ridley Scott. In his US television directorial debut, Raised by Wolves is an HBO Max original that explores questions of humanity and ideology against the backdrop of a strange and perilous new world. That sounds cool. I'm hooked. I'm in. After Earth has been virtually destroyed by a holy war, oh, that's freaking me out, two androids are tasked with raising children on a mysterious uninhabited planet. 
as the burgeoning colony of humans threatens to be torn apart by religious differences, the androids learn that trying to control the beliefs of humans is a treacherous and difficult task. It sure is. This is a sci-fi story of family, human emotion, and the hope of building something new. You got to check this out. It's Ridley Scott. Come on. It's Rid. Like, what What more do you want? It's Ridley Scott. What else do you want? Remote. Yeah. Blade Runner. Black Hawk yep. Down. Alien. Come on. I don't have to tell you anymore. Tune in <laughs> to the premiere of Raised by Wolves on September 3rd, only on HBO Max. And subscribe now to the official Raised by Wolves companion podcast on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, that podcast is going to have uh, the official companion podcast, rather, hosted by Holly Frey, starting on September 3rd, taking fans behind the scenes of the show. So yeah, definitely subscribe uh, and you get some behind the scenes action. All right, let's get to the questions. These were sent uh, to our official Twitter at Inside Gaming. Um, let's see here. Oh, somebody asked Matt Tilby, do you, do I think we'll ever see that long awaited Mario 3d collection? If so, are you buying it? Yes, I do think we'll see it. I think there's a really good chance. Yes, I, I will see buy it. Yeah. Seems likely. <laughs> Chances are high. Yes. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, number one, the no fan Dylan. Oh, we love Dylan. Uh, do you do anything fitness while gaming? <laughs> I used to be able to play destiny while running on the treadmill and i would lift weights between rounds on siege mm. i, I work out in vr every day oh that's awesome every single day i wish i could do yeah. that i would probably take out one of my kids though for sure they would, <laughs> they would lose an eye or something i think it, it does feel cool that it's like 2020 and i'm literally daily playing vr uh beat saber uh there's a boxing game um supernatural vr is the one that i think is the best and hottest workout it's really solid uh, Beat Saber is my favorite though because it's the most fun. But yeah, that's a real right. Total Recall like situation. I feel like mm -hmm. you're just v physically training in AR. I used to have a like an elliptical setup, and I used to like grind in Borderlands while I would use elliptical, and it would just like trick me into like walking or doing using the elliptical for like two or three hours at a time. Yeah, um, and you'd like set programs or whatever to do it. Uh, oddly, yeah. first-person shooter games okay while doing that, but third-person, anytime where you move the camera around, I almost took myself out a couple You'll times. You'll like accidentally lean. I had that yeah. with Gears of War. I used to do it on a treadmill, and then I would like sometimes almost walk off the treadmill. Yeah, uh, which is like you wouldn't <laughs> think is that hard. I've also played a lot of DS on like a stationary bike, so yeah, yeah, it's stuff's great. Well, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. I don't do anything physical while playing, unless I'm throwing the controller. That's I feel like, yeah. <laughs> exercise, I guess. I feel like I should. You could buy, like, just a, there's, like, a weight with, like, pedals on either side. And I had yeah. a friend who used to do that, and that's probably a pretty good way. But, I, man, I, the idea of, like, getting super sweaty while playing games is, is kind of a bummer to me. But it, it certainly know. happens with the, because I use the Oculus uh, for everything, the Quest. Um, I've had to change the uh, foam padding on the inside recently because it does get really sweaty. <laughs> Is the Quest good? Do you like it? I love it. About... Okay, yeah, cool. huge fan. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Um, Matt Moneys asks, there are rumors about the Xbox Series S being $100 less than the Series X. He's talking about the stripped down uh, sort of the, the Lockhart codename console. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, with the PS5 digital version having the same discount. However, Series S is supposed to be a weaker console. Could that potentially hurt Xbox if Sony's digital only console is as strong as its disc version? So, I, hmm, that's an interesting question. I think we get spoiled in gaming. And I don't know if this happens in other, other industries, but our rumors tend to be true. And I think that's like 
a trap in itself. Like a lot of rumors that we hear oftentimes tend to be true. Obviously, there's a lot that aren't. But I think in the grand scheme of things, they tend to be. But in this particular case, I'm just kind of waiting to see what Microsoft says. I can't imagine. Like, I, I always imagine Lockhart as being like a discless version of the Series X. And yeah. like the power element of it, I feel like wouldn't change too much because they already have Xbox One X. And it, they're going to split the difference between the, the the new generation and the old doesn't really make sense to me. But again, I haven't like been in the rumor farm on that one. So I'm not sure like what's more likely and what's not. But I mean, for this stuff, I would say. I would need a digital foundry breakdown. Yes. Those, yeah. <laughs> those so as much the... as I love that, like to answer the actual question of like, could that potentially hurt Xbox if Sony's digital only consoles is as strong as its disc version? My answer is ultimately no. Mm. People don't care as much as they yeah. um, maybe let on. Uh, I think most people care about like, you know, which is weaker and which is stronger insofar as they've already decided which one they want and they want to use it as an arguing point. So, like, people <laughs> are looking to see, like, is the Xbox stronger, is the PlayStation stronger because they already want the Xbox, so they want to shit on the PlayStation, you know? Like, I think f for the most part, people have already made their minds up and, and a lot of people have had loyalty to systems going back decades at this point. So, no, <laughs> I don't I think that it would hurt the Xbox if Sony's digital-only console is as strong as its version. I don't think it will make much of a difference to anyone yeah i don't i don't think if it's i don't know super cheap maybe that'll if people will price for into, sure but uh otherwise. be into that but yeah i don't i i think it'll be plenty powerful enough so yeah i think it'll be okay um gabriel lecompte asks the game pass business model seems to eliminate the thinking before buying barrier do you think this could make studios take more risks on new projects maybe with a lower budget and result in more innovative games on the long run. I think they mean in the long run. Um, I, maybe I, I, I think it is. They've Microsoft has said they've noticed people kind of trying more things because you can, if you've paid your 15 bucks or whatever, then what's the, you know, you've, you've already, they've already got your money. You might as well try it. And, and I've no the streaming services have said also that they notice people kind of experimenting with genres that they, wouldn't have normally i um i don't know maybe uh that would be my answer as well it's like <laughs> yeah potentially <laughs> and i think it's a very case-by-case -case basis because the way that game pass works as far as i can tell for your game to be on game pass microsoft will pay you lump sum so it's not like how do the devs make money people are only yeah. spending a dollar you get the money before you're even on game pass yes. so like at what point in the development process is that happening that's obviously a part of it i don't know that you'll know you're going to be on game pass when you start developing a game i think if you are developing a game for game pass you can certainly be more creative and you don't have to worry about a financial risk because microsoft is publishing it right it's subsidized and it is, yeah yeah and it is guaranteed to get an audience of people who may not play your game otherwise because it's not free, but it's feels like it's free. Um, it's no, it's of no loss to them at least. It's right. no financial loss. So like, I would say for for companies that are guaranteed to be on Game Pass or potentially have some kind of deal with Microsoft, the answer would be yes. They will almost definitely take more risks. Um, I think, but but then it's also part of it. It depends on how long they're on Game Pass for. Uh, because part of the, what works for indies with Game Pass um, from both the data we've seen and a lot of studios coming out about it is when they say when we were on Game Pass, we had so many downloads that it spread word of mouth that then when we were off Game Pass, we made like triple the amount of money that we had before we were on Game Pass. Yeah, they but all that love comes it. Down to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it seems to have been really good for indie studios, uh, but that comes down to still you need people who are on Game Pass to collectively really like your game. Right. So. 
Yes and no. Yeah, <laughs> it's complicated. It, it's certainly going to be a very interesting case study because it changes a lot of things in terms of where the money come from, comes from. And that usually changes like how you approach a game, right? Like, I mean, you could take it all the way back to the arcade games where games are arcade days where games are designed to like for you to pump quarters into them. We have certain limitations like that in modern gaming now. Tutorial sections should be this long. The first level or the game loop should be explained this fast. This is how you retain. And this happens a lot more in like mobile game development too, where they're trying to track how fast they can get somebody to spend money basically. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I mean, that stuff is happening in AAA game development. It's happening in like, I, I guess we don't have really a B tier of games anymore uh, or mid tier. That's kind of RIP double A, but yeah, double A. Uh, so, so, but I think those limitations are there. And anytime you shake up those limitations, I think you can get that fun experimentation and that, that's good. That's like a very, very good thing to introduce into the marketplace. But also now, if you don't have those restraints, the type of games you're going to make you will change too. And that could be bad if sections drawn out too long. You know, maybe somebody's new first level is now like 30 minutes instead of like five minutes, like according to the old limitations. I, I mean, I'm in the weeds on like design theory stuff here, but I think like... That still counts no matter what though, because yeah. like if you look at completion rates, right? Most yeah. people don't even come close to finishing every game that they play it's so totally. uncommon oh yeah yeah um that i think that probably goes beyond game pass but i guess like the game pass thing is yeah selling people on it so that you'll make more money when it comes off game pass in theory is a big one yeah i i, I um i do think we might be looking at kind of a netflixy situation where netflix just throws money at, at people uh to make so that's stuff. definitely what they're doing and, yeah, yeah you what know Xbox and, game studios are. exactly yeah. and so i i think that that can only help uh, you know, the industry just in terms of, I don't know, ideally like making creative new stuff or maybe taking some risks because like Alana said, yeah, you're it, the, the thing is being subsidized and funded by Microsoft. So you really can't lose. Uh, so and yeah. The good I, news about it is that for all of those Xbox game studios games, they in theory won't have to go games as service. Um, I'm right, sure they're still right. going to do some yes. of those, but you can just it means make an actual we, game. <laughs> right. We don't have yeah. to worry about them heading in the direction of microtransactions, which I was worried about for a while. Does, um, never been worried about that with PlayStation, but with Xbox, I was. And now it's like, I don't think they're going to make Obsidian do that because Game Pass is their revenue. So we don't necessarily need microtransactions in those games. And does that mean you'll get less Battle Royale clones now? I don't know, but that I think that's the kind of the decision making I'm, I'm pointing at. Like the very even type of game that you would approach to, to make for that debuts on Game Pass or whatever now changes because you don't have like that set amount of like investment capital. You don't need to pitch all these different publishers to say like, hey, we're going to make a game that's like this other game that's widely successful. Uh, they can kind of just focus on a passion project. And in a lot of ways, that's really, so. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and they're they're still obviously trying to round out Game Pass and and just get as much content as they can, and they probably would want a variety of things, not just you know a, yeah a bunch of Fortnite knockoffs. So that's probably how we uh, got the gunk instead of like another Steam World game. Is yeah, my guess. True. yeah, 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 true. Um, let's do one more. This one from Christian Uhlenberg. Do you think Microsoft and Sony should have delayed their console launches until next year? We still don't know the release dates, although I find it funny that NVIDIA beat them to the punch, mm -hmm. but it feels like they should have pushed back these consoles from the start. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I you know, without knowing behind the scenes what, what's going on, I, I, I say just put them out and let's see. I mean, uh, unless there's some like, you know, I, I don't want them to put them out if they're not ready and there's some big design flaw or whatever. But uh, I, I don't know. Actually, what do you guys think? I have almost no opinion. Yeah. Like, very <laughs> similar to you, Brian. It's like, I'm like, you you know, put them out whenever you want. 
I don't like I don't have any thought that it feels like they should have been pushed back or they yeah. should be delayed. I'm just like, you know, there's a business operate however you wish to as a business. Like, I wish I had something more interesting to say. Yeah, about like, it's it's tough because with games like Madden 21, you think like, yeah, that should have been delayed. Like that clearly sure. wasn't ready or something like Anthem or, you know, uh, various games where you can you can tell they, they didn't have the time that they needed with hardware. Uh, I, I feel like they supposedly been in production since June. I would think that would be enough time. I would think they've been doing QA and, and, and development for years and years now. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think that necessarily means they're going to have a, a full, you know, it might be limited supplies. And, and that's people, what I expect more yeah. than broken supplies is limited. It, it might be in the next couple of years until people really ramp up and start buying them, but eh, I'm fine with it releasing now. I think the thing we're talking about and we don't have any time at all to do so is the NVIDIA stuff is super wild to me and super yeah. cool uh, that they came Very in exciting. and just were like, here you go. Here's some new graphics cards. Don't even worry about next gen. And just like, oh, my God. And this one will last yeah. you this long. Like that, that 3090 is going to fucking be around. Yeah. It feels like I mean, yeah. that industry does move really fast, but I feel like that's like future proofed as hell right now. Yeah. Like games in 8K. I think it's 8K. And, and, and what? I mean, even though NVIDIA is primarily like a CPU manufacturer hardware, they do a lot of other things, but they, they certainly do want to, like when ray tracing first came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be a big deal. And I think a lot of people on NVIDIA were probably thinking in terms of like, oh, this could be a big differentiator. This could like really hurt consoles if console games don't have this mm. kind of technology. And, and even more so so now, I mean, maybe it's not that big of a deal as we were seeing things plan out. I think ray tracing is amazing and I want I love it, it in everything. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Nvidia would would happily like make their own console or whatever, own box or whatever to try, and they do so with the Shield and try to sell you as many like GPUs that way or CPUs that yeah. way. Like they, I, they are primarily a CP or PC like focused entity. But but to think, but to say that they wouldn't be thinking about like consoles and how they interact with that world as well, uh, they definitely are. They're thinking about that. I'm sure world. they're like first thinking AMD and then they're thinking yeah. PlayStation. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's call it there. That's all we've got for this week's Send News. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.